Live streaming is on. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is May the 1st. 2020, but it's not May Day for us. Strong hand, long-term thinking, having hype. Yeah, it's having day for us. Yeah, we're almost there. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. One day closer to an all-time high. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Offended by selling unconfiscatable, be a unique beast. And today I have two of the most unique beasts out there in the space. We get the best freaking guest in the space here. Yeah, Tone Vase makes his return. He hasn't been on the show since the summer. And Thomas... Hasn't been on the show for quite some time, but I was just on his show. So, oh, yeah, we're bringing it back to the old school. These dudes, they've seen it all. Okay, They were here for that last halving. And so in honor of the halving, we're this week's This Week in Bitcoin and next ones, we're going to start off by talking. Everyone's so excited about the halving, obviously. So we'll start with Tone. Uh, welcome back, Tone. And uh, 2016, halving. It's a different world now, okay? Uh this virus thing totally flew, I mean, confused everybody. Would things have been different with Bitcoin if it were not for this virus? Imagine an alternative universe without the virus. Would we be going through what we are going through now in terms of leading up to the halving? And what, is, what are the big differences besides the virus between now and 2016 halving? All right. Oh, there's a lot going on there, by the way. Hey, glad to be back on the channel. Uh, not, not much has changed from your intro uh, from the last time I've been on or the time before that or the time before that. I uh, hope you're holding up well, uh, Meister. You're out in California. You're basically like at the socialist beast of the world in the United States. Man, you can't even like go in the ocean over there. You'll get arrested. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so how would things be different? I don't think things would be that much different. Uh, I think the only, the, I think the biggest difference of we potentially could have avoided that catastrophic crash in Bitcoin in March. Uh, I think that was really driven by a lot of disruption in the general financial markets. The uh, the full market crash, you know, the coronavirus made some people scared and they just withdrew their assets. So I think that's the biggest factor that could have potentially been avoided. Uh, we could have still been trending down a little bit. Uh, the pump, the pre-having pump that we're dealing with right now still would have happened, but it would have happened in a different way from a different level. So I'm glad that that capitulation occurred. I feel bad for some of my friends that ended up getting really wrecked on it, but uh, I'm glad that capitulation happened. That capitulation has turned me into a bull. I didn't want to stay a bear for another year. Uh, but that crash turned me into a bull. Um, I was looking forward to this run-up. I think we have short-term topped. Uh, but can there be one more pump into the halving? We still have 10 days to go. It's very possible. Uh, I, I don't think things would be that much different uh, other than the big crash. All right. Tone points out that things haven't changed much around here. You better believe it, baby. I've got conviction. I'm not changing. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. No fancy sets or graphics here, baby. All right, Thomas, uh, how you doing? Do you think things would be different? Uh, and what do you 
Do you compare this to 2016? What it, what memories come back to you? Lots of questions there. Free for all. Well, the, the main difference now between now and 2016 is access to Bitcoin. Back in 2016, it was pretty much Coinbase or bust. A lot of people still had memories of the Mt. Gox crash. A lot of people still lost money in the Mt. Gox crash. There wasn't a wide variety of ways to hire Bitcoin now. That's what we're hoping with Gemini, with Cash App, with Coinbase, with uh, Blockstream or, or Blockchain or whatever. All the different places you can buy Bitcoin, especially in industry ways you can buy Bitcoin. You can buy large amounts of Bitcoin. There's more uh, over-the-counter trades, that kind of thing. So there's much more access and availability of Bitcoin. So that's good. That should drive this having up more than the other having. Uh, now, the other part of your question, that's bad. Uh, coronavirus is bad. Uh, as Tone said, the previous market crash was a risk off. Uh, everybody was like, I got to get to cash. Uh, a lot of people had to cover their shorts, other things like that. It was an entire market wide. Uh, so it took Bitcoin down too. Uh, Bitcoin's a safe haven, but it's a safe haven against uh, inflation, right? against long-term economic problems, not against short-term. All of a sudden, everybody's got to get their money out. Uh, so given that everyone has just taken their money out and everyone's freaked out, the stock market went from uh, 29,000 to 19,000 back to about 23, 24,000 right now on the Dow Jones. Uh, it's still a very uncertain market for investing. Uh, a lot of different industries are going to go down first because of a lack of funds from these last two months, then from a lack of demand. Uh, no one wants to sit in a crowded airplane. No one wants to sit in a crowded movie theater. Uh, they say they're putting up sneeze guards all over Las Vegas. Uh, it sounds pretty awful playing blackjack in a little glass box. Uh, I'm not going to pay to do that. I don't know a lot of people that are going to. Uh, so this is going to affect Bitcoin. Uh, the people who are investing Bitcoin right now uh, who are looking at this happening as a good thing, they're probably staying home. They're probably not living on the street. They're probably not of threat from this virus. If you have the money to stay home, you probably have the money to invest in Bitcoin, at least for right now. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people work in airlines and restaurants and other industries that are affected. Uh, if you've lost your job, you're worried about paying rent. You're not all crazy excited to be investing in the halving. Whereas uh, in normal situations, just three to six months ago, we had the greatest economy in the world. The stocks were way up. Uh, you have to assume that would have been much better for the Bitcoin halving. I would you you brought up Coinbase uh, saying you're know, back in the day Coinbase was the only option now there's there's many options. Uh, what did you think about earlier this week when everyone was getting into the having hype trying to buy uh, Bitcoin on Coinbase and just like it was 2016 Coinbase went down. I, I thought it was hilarious and I thought it was awful and I've mocked them before and I know I'm just a little voice on the internet at Mad Bitcoins on Twitter going, hey, you guys should get some servers and hey, I know altcoins are great and having all these parties and having a whole hey, hey, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. all these things. I, I, that I a, does. Oh, yeah, yes, Tone, uh, please. Thomas, I, have, I have a feeling our, the, the very first uh, World Crypto Network uh, Bitcoin group was already critical of Coinbase. So <laughs> it's been forever. Yeah. And and I just can't believe they don't do the nuts and bolts. Like, I mean, they can keep the CEO. The CEO wants to keep focusing on shit coins. Well, like, yeah, he, yeah, so more, I, I, more I, about Dogecoin than Bitcoin. <laughs> I knew this would. I knew that would trigger. I knew it would trigger tone. That's why I asked. Uh, that's why I asked Thomas first. Well, I, I All right, so let's. I think they could do both. I think they could walk and chew gum at the same time, and it's just shocking to see them fail. Like 
they could have a bunch of altcoins. I mean, Binance has altcoins, Cripsy has altcoins. Oops, not Cripsy. But, you know, a lot of these things have altcoins and they do fine and the servers stay up. And I know it's it's a little too much to say, but during that during that upward moment when we were going up to 9000, when Coinbase crashed exactly in the 9000s, I know it's not true, but I was thinking if there was new money that wanted to enter the market, if you were sitting there with Coinbase and you were like, I'm going to wait till Bitcoin goes up, then I'm going to buy. I'm one of those guys. Uh, you couldn't move your new money. Like the new money window was kind of closed. And yes, I hope there's other ways to buy Bitcoin. And I know a lot of people are probably transferring their accounts out of Coinbase right now yet again. Um, but yeah, we do keep coming back to this, the basic competence of keeping their servers up. Yeah, it, it was like we were in 2016. I thought they had, I thought they had fixed that. Uh, uh, okay, Tone, you you take it away with uh, Coinbase. Did that Did that surprise you that that happened again? Honestly, I didn't even know. I stopped paying attention to Coinbase. It's kind of crazy that they're still uh, this relevant uh, to the system. I really thought a better competitor would be up there by now. Uh, but uh, well, wait, a wait a second. So th there's not so in America. Do you still think America is the center of or I think I don't I don't know if you ever thought this. I think I've traveled all, the, all around the world. So is Tone, obviously. Uh, Thomas, you've traveled a lot, too. Uh, it seems like to me that. America is the center of Bitcoin. I, I got to say, that's where a lot of people are saying this is where the buying is coming from right now. So It is. It always was. Okay. So Coinbase is the number one in America. Is Coinbase going to get bought out by a bank? Is Coinbase going to be sold for billions of dollars? I mean, in, yeah. in, in, if you look at it that way, Coinbase is a very incredibly powerful player in 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 the world space of, uh, of cryptocurrency. So I know we, a lot of people don't like them and ripple them for their incompetence, but I mean, their valuation must be quite high. And uh, I don't know, what do you, you have anything to say about that, Tim? I mean, their valuation is high. Uh, hopefully the incompetence will go a little bit longer and then maybe Kraken will buy them or something, uh, or maybe Fidelity. Uh, they're, 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 they're not gonna keep lasting because they have, what, have, what has Coinbase really done in the last four years? other than not be able to buy a better server. Well, they added a lot of altcoins and gamblers like that. And, and I mean, my next question to you was after the 2016 halving, and this will be for Thomas also, after 2016 halving, we got into 2017 and all of a sudden everybody and their brother was a freaking altcoin gambler and altcoins went wild. Do you see this happening again? I mean, it, the, the, the ground, it's, it's in, I mean, it could happen easily much easier now because people can buy, use dollars to buy altcoins on Coinbase when it wasn't that easy back in the day. So do you see another uh, altcoin uh, madness uh, going on after the halving in a few months afterwards, maybe? A tone. Uh, I guess I can go first. I don't. Uh, now, I, I could potentially see like the top 20 altcoins uh, become popular as trading instruments, but I don't see, you know, uh, things coming out of nowhere, going into the top ten, and then staying there. Like the uh, the real irrationality is gone. Uh, but some people are still. Uh, I mean, uh, it's actually going to be a good thing because, like, as uh, more and more, uh, like they can't handle it. Like Ethereum and, uh, and many of the others, uh, they can't handle that kind of volume. And now, uh, if there is another Bitcoin pump, uh, look how much Bitcoin has advanced in its underlying technology since the last halving. Uh, we'll just wait till one more soft fork when we have Schnorr signatures and uh, 
and bulletproofs and and there's a couple of other and you know scalability and privacy solutions that are needed i gotta ask jimmy what's going on with the with the next soft fork because we really need that next soft fork in there before uh big adoption starts to come a lightning is pretty much pretty usable already uh though it's not necessary yet so if there is another giant wave like in 2017 it will crush these old coins uh, because they will not be able to handle the demand their 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 blockchains are just not capable of scaling and they will grind to a halt like it's it's funny how bcash keeps saying how their transactions are so cheap and so fast uh if anyone actually starts using it it's not gonna function all right everybody remember pound that freaking like button thomas your thoughts on a possible altcoin uh pump just like 2017 in 2021 maybe i think uh, tone's last point is the best one that no one is using these altcoins and also for them to pump no one has to use these altcoins they can just stay there on the exchanges and the fake books on the exchanges and the numbers go up and you don't have to send them around you just leave them right there on the exchanges so i do think that the altcoins unfortunately every time we say oh it's not going to happen and oh it's not going to happen they always follow bitcoin back up so i think we're going to see the top ones go up and again this thing keeps happening where i hold bitcoin they hold altcoins they get a hundred multiplier i get a one multiplier uh it doesn't work out that well so i'm not sure on uh, just abandoning the altcoins uh we've definitely been critical of coinbase for a long time uh, the main thing that we kind of repeat on Coinbase that they just keep doing is that Coinbase is always chasing where the money used to be. Uh, when Cripsy had 100 altcoins, when BTC-E was killing it in the altcoins market, Coinbase said, I want a taste of that, and they went after it. Uh, other people were doing staking. They were holding the Ethereum. Coinbase followed on that. Uh, Coinbase is always following to where the money used to be. They need to learn that Wayne Gretzky quote, uh, skate not to where the puck is, to where the puck is going to be and that's how you score goals oh pound that like button with that nhl reference may they be playing soon oh you canadians i know you miss it and americans all right dudes well let's let's since we're talking about altcoins here and by the way how many people out there thomas and tone do you think got thomas's uh cripsy reference i mean there's so few people that even remember that i i what, what percent tone of people out there uh, a percent of you a percent of viewers yeah i i think probably about 20 to 25 percent of the viewers will fully understand the cryptsy reference yeah it, it, that, that's on the other day that uh someone said big Vern was still out there uh never been punished took maybe hundreds thousands of bitcoins with him and uh, another great thing about the cryptsy story is that remember coinbase recently had to settle their lawsuit uh with all their investors who sued them because coinbase processed the cryptsy money on the way out, they said, oh, million. yeah, who's selling those millions of dollars to that guy who owns that exchange, you know, owns the exchange. Uh, yeah, it was Coinbase. Big, many people don't know what we're talking about. With Big, is Big Vern in China? Is that his final resting place? Or not, just that's the suspicion. Uh, that's the suspicion. Uh, he's a pretty big guy. He should be able to stand out. Uh, well, <laughs> if he's in China, probably he can't leave. He can't go anywhere now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a did he, conspiracy theory. Did he start the virus? All right. Well, mm -hmm. let's let's move on to Ethereum real quick because Tone always has something to say about that. Uh, the Andreessen Horowitz has some fund out there uh, where they're in, they're investing in cryptocurrency related endeavors. All right, they got a lot of money. 
it's what a 16 it's called or something like that they can invest in whatever the heck they want to if you read their press release they they don't say the specific companies they're going to invest in but what they're interested in and one of the things they're interested in is something called DeFi, and we've all heard about DeFi. it is a buzzword so is ethereum 2.0 i gotta say in this space buzzwords attract a lot of money people don't really they want to be in the next bitcoin they hear something like ethereum 2.0 they hear DeFi. they hear even andreessen horowitz is going to be throwing money at DeFi. so tone um what, what do you think of uh the next year for ethereum i i, I i'm not i mean i think they're going to do great because of all this all these buzzwords and the DeFi. The, Uh, did we lose Adam? He's got too much DeFi. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, anything can do great because of buzzwords and the price of Ethereum can go up. The thing is, uh, it's not just Ethereum. I mean, you can build this nonsense on any of the other Ethereum competitors. And in this next go around, you have Cardano, you have Tron, you have Tezos, you have uh, EOS, uh, so they're all Ethereum competitors, and they're all going to fight for these DeFi projects, whether these DeFi projects make sense or not. Uh, this takes me back to the DAO and that classic uh, Bitcoin group that we did. And I, I got I to get a clip from that group where uh, we were basically saying how the DAO was going to collapse and you're going to get hacked and you're going to lose all your money. And that's exactly what happened a few weeks later. And we just it just happened again. Like the multi-coin capital guy, who's been demonizing Bitcoin for uh, like years saying how, oh, it's not sustainable and it won't last more than 10 years, invest in a DeFi project that 10 hours later gets drained of all its Ethereum, right? So it's uh, these projects, they, they're not, they, they shouldn't be decentralized. If they are, uh, and if you are gonna do it, you wanna do it on a decentralized uh, blockchain, which Ethereum and EOS is not. So they, they just don't make conceptual sense. They just don't. There's no decentralization there, guys. It's just another one of these. I'm wearing the shirt. Adam, have you seen one of these shirts? Let's, let me see the shirt. Hang on. Let me, I'm, I'm on to, oh, what, what is that thing? It's, uh, it's uh, a bunch of weird coins there. Uh, well, there's Bitcoin. There's the real thing. But I, uh, I no, no real thing there. Oh, that's a fake one. Oh, that's a be private actually. Yeah, I I see. Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> like so they're all a bunch of all. Why do you why you're wearing an all coin shirt? Oh my god! Well, stop, 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 stop back a little bit. Oh wait, like it says I can't say that word. It says uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it's I, a, I don't say very, it's a very specific emoji. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a message in that shirt, guys. It says S, <laughs> it says S coin. Very good shirt. Who made that shirt? Uh, somebody, well, one of my fans did, we're selling them over at tombase.com store. Good, good plug right there. Remember, all these guys are linked to below. Their Twitters are below. Follow them. Uh, Thomas, hey, hey, wait, you, you guys, you were, you were not confiscatable. It was, it was, it was in there hanging out. Yeah. They were, they, this is, they, I think this is theirs too. Or yeah. That's confiscatable as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, it was quite a, I loved when we all could meet in person I mean that was the that was the way of the world. We will get back there. We will all 
This virtual stuff, yeah, okay. Thomas, let, let Ethereum 2.0 and uh, DeFi, your, your, your thoughts. All right, so Bitcoin is mainstream. Everyone knows about it now, but that doesn't mean that they all have the same feelings. Sure, all the Bitcoiners have these great feelings for Bitcoin. There's 21 million units. There's a mystical, shadowy creator. Everyone had the chance to buy it. It was out on the market for years and years and years. You had plenty of opportunity. Uh, that doesn't help any of the Wall Street people. They're not excited by 21 million units. They don't care about a mystical creator. They'd rather have Vitalik Buterin, a real person. You can call up on the phone when you have a problem. Uh, when your DAO gets hacked, you want to reverse it. You call up a real person on the phone. You get your your DeFi fixed, right? You get your blockchain, uh, you know, repaired, right? You have to. This is a feature for them. This is not a bug. They're not like saying, "Oh, we wish we had that one-way Bitcoin created by the mystical guy in the dark alley." No, they're happy to have an alternative to Bitcoin that they can have up on their shoulders and say, "Look how great blockchain is. We found it." Where'd you find blockchain? Don't tell anyone. We found it in this dirty ghetto Bitcoin project. This guy was using it for money. Can you believe that? This greatest invention in all of supply chain history. Like, does it help you tell if the diamonds are real? No. It just keeps track of if they're, you know, the original bad information, bad information in, bad information out. Were the, the diamond people, were the farmers, were they hacking your database? Is this a protection that you need? No. But we've got blockchain now. We can trust everyone that we couldn't trust before. So, no, they're very happy to have an alternative to Bitcoin. They're going to keep with it. They're going to put millions and billions of dollars in, into this. And Bitcoin is going to continue to plug along and, you know, have to do things the old fashioned way with work. All right. Good. Good. Uh, let me, oh, yes. Let me just add to that real quick. Yes, uh, so, Thomas, not only do like real uh, investors putting their money into these things want that feature of calling up Vitalik. That feature is actually necessary because uh, if you get, when you get hacked, you are responsible. Like whichever company that last DeFi project put together, I mean, you are responsible. You can't just say, oh, I built it, but then it got hacked. No, you're responsible. That feature is there for a reason. Uh, Satoshi is not responsible. He's gone. Uh, but if you, they know who you are, you are responsible. If Ethereum implodes, Vitalik is ultimately responsible for it. Dude, I'm so glad you brought up the Dow and uh, the, the birth of Ethereum Classic. So many people don't remember that one either. The, those were some good Bitcoin group shows back back in the day when that was going on. And, and by it, the way, Ethereum Classic didn't fail because it had worse technology than Ethereum. It failed because it didn't have enough advertising versus Ethereum. That's the only reason why it failed. Wow. That's a really good point. But and their their ringleader, I mean, he Barry Silver tried to pump it, but I mean, I guess he could have done. He a tried to pump it, but the problem with Barry Silver pumping it is, and I called him out for it back then. Uh, he could be legally liable uh, by the SEC for continuously promoting Ethereum, and I even sent tweets on that. Hey, Barry, you know, you're probably breaking some security laws right here because you are you're running a fund, you're trying to launch an Ethereum Classic ETF on the markets. And you're actively pumping the underlying coin. That's actually, that's illegal. Oh, they see. That's that's the beauty of Bitcoin. We don't have to worry about uh, founders and uh, pumpers, et cetera, et cetera. That, that aspect of it. Just hey, to add to that, uh, yes. just this morning, Elon Musk tweeted yeah. uh, the price of Tesla should go down 
the price <laughs> promptly went down 10 for this you can't do that on the open market you can't just he's a position of importance he's not just some dumb guy i mean i can say whatever i want no one cares but if you're in a position of importance like barry silver or like elon musk at tesla you have a responsibility to your shareholders etc cetera, etc cetera. like he's in trouble yeah, since, since, since elon musk is probably watching uh elon <laughs> please don't get arrested i don't want you to get arrested i want you to keep running tesla but uh, what you're doing right now can land you in prison. Don't do it. <laughs> in, in terms of what he, that prediction he made today, that that was. Uh, he, he flat out stated he believes that the stock is all priced. Like you can't do that. <laughs> well, he also seems to have an uncertain state of mind saying that he's selling all of his possessions, uh, that he's preparing to move to Mars, uh, that he's always moving from he, Earth and Mars. I think he might do that. He's, he's That's quite, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, tone. Yeah, sorry, no, I said no. That's okay. That's that, that's fine. Uh, he's, well, he's, quite, he's quite frustrated with the lockdown. I've liked his uh, tweets uh, that deal with that. But we're not gonna we're not going beyond Bitcoin with that. But I'm glad. So everyone, yeah, Elon. There's been some there's been some tweets today. If you want to get into that drama in Twitter land, people are going crazy. I'm not a big fan of uh, SEC enforcement and all that, and government and yeah. You know, but and, and that's why I'm in Bitcoin. All right, so. Let's let's talk about the regular world though of the dollar real quick. Uh, a war <laughs> what tone the dollar it's being printed uh, insanely. But uh, is it the best of the worst? Is it the best of the fiat? Will it continue its dominance in fiat land? What is your uh, is this the end of the world of the dollar or is it just the beginning? Uh, well, it's the beginning of the end uh, for the dollar, but for now, I still think the dollar is, you know, the best three-legged chihuahua in this horse race uh, of fiat currencies uh, because everything else is just completely unstable. Uh, the U.S. is still in the best uh, position to uh, have an economy. Last I checked, companies like Tesla are still on U.S. soil and not in some other countries. Uh, we have Amazon. We have still some of these big companies and uh, entrepreneurs still want to come to the U.S. and build new companies. As long as that goes on, uh, there will be a global demand for the U.S. dollar. It's not the U.S. military that keeps the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency. It's the fact that it has one of some of the most transparent laws, uh, some of the most, uh, uh, I guess, a decent rule of law for uh, for a large country. Uh, that could handle global demand. And there'll be continued demand for dollars. Uh, the Fed and the Treasury will not be able to print fast enough to create any kind of destruction of the dollar. Uh, I mean, my best guess is that over $10 trillion uh, worth of uh, value has been just evaporated uh, during this uh, downturn. Now, the stock market seems to have recovered somewhat. So a lot of that lost value uh, just came back. So what it could have been like, uh, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers of the value of the stock market, but I think the stock market lost several trillion dollars in value and it now gained a bunch of that back. Uh, but even so, uh, small businesses, a lot of them are not coming back. Uh, a lot of other value has been lost. I think real estate is going to take a massive hit after this. Uh, it's already uh, hard to sell your real estate. Tourism is growing is going down hard. Uh, if you had properties, if you were if you were making a living from uh, what we call Airbnb, 
uh, that's a problem for you. Like, what are you going to do with that real estate if it, if Airbnb isn't doing anything for you? You're going to try to sell it. You're going to take whatever dollars you can. You're not going to just going to keep paying that mortgage. Uh, real estate is going to take a hit. Uh, a lot of governments and states in the U.S. Uh, they're going to be broke after this when the small businesses don't come back. When a state starts running out of money, what do they do? They raise taxes. Now, uh, Nevada, where uh, uh, I, I don't want to dox anybody, uh, but in Nevada, for example, everyone knows. <laughs> uh, in Nevada, for example, there's no state tax because the casino industry has been supplementing the fact that they don't need a state tax. What happens if the casino industry isn't uh, returned? Uh, get ready. Uh, the state of Nevada can easily implement state taxes. They can raise their real estate taxes. And all of that is a problem. All of that is the destruction of private wealth. And uh, the U.S. dollar would need to print enough to cover that. So unless they start printing in the tens of trillions of dollars, I don't see any inflation anytime soon. All right. Thomas, your thoughts on the dollar. All right. So first of all, we have to acknowledge that we're still in a standoff. Uh, we're in a global standoff with China. They've uh, lent us a bunch of money. Uh, they can't do anything about it, right? Uh, they could destroy the U.S., but if they destroy the U.S., they're destroying their investment. There's no way that we can pay them back unless we rebuild things and have a good economy, then we pay them back. That's part of the whole beauty of international lending is that we're all tied together now. Now the Chinese might not like it. They might have taken a bad deal to start buying U.S. bonds, but they also can't stop. Uh, they're over leveraged in the U.S. Uh, as far as the thing else, uh, this is the time for Keynesianism. This is the big test. Keynesianism is the idea that the government can print money to solve crises to get you through tough periods, periods of war, periods of economic collapse, drought, virus, fatigue, things like this. Government comes in as the lender of last resort, prints a bunch of dollars, saves a bunch of businesses, <clears throat> saves people individually, perhaps with rent uh, problems. Um, but there's only so much they can do. And that's where all the Bitcoiners and all the libertarians out there are like, uh, we hate Keynesianism, we hate money printing. Um, but this is where it gets a little wiggly. There's not really anything in Bitcoin that solves crises like this. When a crisis like this hits, you have the choice of printing the money, building the hospital, trying to save the people, trying to keep your GDP up, right? Because your GDP is all these people working in factories, creating widgets, selling the widgets, keeping the gross domestic product up, right? less people, less factories, less widgets, bad for everyone. Uh, so this is what they're trying to do. Whether it's going to work or not, we're going to see. Uh, but this is a huge, like this is an act of God. And, and that's why I know Elon Musk is so mad and he's so upset and he wants to get out there and do his business because he's a businessman. He's a great businessman. He makes good widgets. People want to buy them. He makes better widgets than other widget companies. Right? He's the best. But he can't work right now. No one can work right now. We have to wait till we get a vaccine, till we get through this thing. It's going to be very hard. No one wants to do that. They want to try herd immunity. They want to try other things, which we just don't know enough about the virus right now to try those things. So uh, like Tone was saying, demand is gone. Travel is gone. Concerts are gone. Movie theaters are gone. Restaurants are gone. And they're not necessarily coming back. Even if you supported all the small businesses and gave them money to stay open, they would then be open to empty stores uh, because I'm not going back. Like the previous thing, there was all these germaphobes and they were the ones not touching the handles and all that. Uh, well, we've all become germaphobes now. I think we all don't want this thing. You guys can want it if you want. But it's a big, it's a big, it's a big meteor 
it's hit us and and no one likes it it's not left or right it's not we can't get rid of it but yes it's out there it's going to affect bitcoin it's going to affect all these things so and, and some will take a lot longer to come back it's not like oh let's open a movie theater and people will come back oh yeah they haven't been shooting movies like, like you can open a movie theater but what's going to play in it right now you delayed that in giant production by forever but uh, uh, people are even saying they might not be able to shoot movies anymore the idea of a set all these people standing next to each other a camera a very small room like you're just gonna have to wait for that too I and mean, we need a vaccine like it's very <laughs> you know, we need oh you know what hey we should we're not we're not we weren't we were supposed to get to a virus discussion but again everybody uh just a reminder those are thomas's opinions uh they don't represent the opinion of obviously me uh i i fully support all of the uh, real men who were in uh michigan yesterday uh, showing the uh, telling that uh, Botox woman what's up, pound that like button. All oh, right, that's that was, that was the seat like in Michigan, uh, with uh, taking over the state house. Yeah, that was the Cuomo and Newsom, God Almighty, may it happen soon. Yeah, Today, the, the leader, the leader of that movement already got the virus. My life hasn't changed at all. That's the thing. My what I say to people is don't let it get in your way, keep on doing what you're doing. I every day I do what I've done before, but hey, mm -hmm. again. We have different opinions about the way, it. The way it spreads is it's more like an R5 instead of an R0. So that if it was an R0 or an R1, your average person could spread it to 10 to 12 people. Yeah, but, but what is it? Again, what, what are we old person's it's disease. On virality. We can do virality studies on this thing. We can say, well, how many people? If you go out, it's likely that you could spread it to 59,000 people. Good, good. Exponentially, it viral. exponentially viral. So R5 is it's that much R0. It's about the other people that you could spread it to. It's not about you. They it's should say, the, if they're scared. You could be, you could be an asymptomatic barrier, so you could have it not know it, and you could be out there spreading it at a rate that is unbelievable. And what is it? It kills old people. Old people stay home. But again, let's. It's not a matter of who it kills. It's a matter of who it spreads to, and that you don't yeah, have to spread it to people. Yeah, all right. That's we were supposed to get into a debate about the virus. We'll leave it at that. You guys, you can research whatever you want to research. Everyone, let's go back to the money. We're talking about the dollar. Track with the money. I, I really hate the fact that they are printing money and giving it to people so they can pay their bills. And you're right, under a Bitcoin standard or a gold standard, you can't really do that. But here is something you could do um, if the if the world is on a Bitcoin standard or a gold standard, and this is something they probably should have done this time around. Instead of printing money and giving it to people, suspend their bills instead. You know, have the bank say, hey, uh, three month, uh, moratorium. No one has to pay their mortgage. No one has to pay their credit card debt. No one has to pay these bills for three months. You don't charge them interest for these three months either. You just put that on the back end. Don't charge them. If you have an Airbnb and you can't collect any rent because you shut, as the government shut down the economy, don't make that guy pay the mortgage payment on that property. Let him hold off until he can actually start renting it out again. That is something you could do, and it doesn't involve the printing of money, and has the same effect of people not going broke because you now you don't have to pay the money out. And uh, this is a lesson government just doesn't learn. Uh, my quick story on that: when I when I started grad school, I was a teaching assistant, 
and as a teaching assistant, I was teaching my own classes in college during grad school, and that waves your tuition. So I go to school for free. In exchange, I teach. But how does that work? And, and one of the economic professors says, well, in a normal world, uh, your tuition would simply be waived. You would teach, you don't get paid, but you also don't uh, pay any tuition. But that's not reality. In reality, uh, you get paid to teach, and then we give you a check and you pay your tuition. And through all of these things, there is taxes and there's fees and there is money just gets lost and goes away and all this inefficiency. It's just insane. Uh, I want the the back end uh, putting it on the back end. Of the mortgage is a very that's uh, a good idea to to relieve the pain for some of these people. What I wanted to get into with the, with the since we're talking about the dollar, uh, a lot of Bitcoiners out there uh, do believe that the dollar is going to be inflated to all heck, and they are strong proponents of hyper Bitcoinization. Is this the decade of hyper Bitcoinization? Do you believe in hyper Bitcoinization, Tone? Sure, uh, it'll be more at the end of the decade than in the beginning or the middle of the decade. I think going into 2030, uh, we can have hyper-Bitcoinization, but I don't really understand the difference between hyper-Bitcoinization and mass adoption. It's just another buzzword. Uh, I, I am looking for mass adoption. Mass adoption will spike the price of Bitcoin. And the price of Bitcoin could certainly spike without you know, the death of the dollar. They're completely independent. Uh, Bitcoin has gotten this far with the dollar being strong. There's no reason why a Bitcoin can't go to a million dollars with a strengthening dollar. It just means that capital is flowing into Bitcoin. I'm still well, looking at my three biggest catalysts for Bitcoin remain uh, the breakup of the European common currency, uh, which I think is coming this decade, uh, the continued assault on uh, KYC, AML, uh, money laundering laws, the removal of safe havens, uh, the increase of taxes and um, all of that is going to drive and the biggest uh, Bitcoin up and the biggest one being the elimination of cash. Uh, these are the giant catalysts for Bitcoin's price to rise and they have nothing to do with the destruction of the US dollar. Uh, if the US dollar does get destroyed, that could probably also be well for Bitcoin. But I'm not betting on that one. I'm betting on the other things because I see the other things happening already. I don't see the destruction of the dollar. I, I think the the full definition or what people dream of when they hear hyper Bitcoinization, the end game is that any store they go to anywhere in the world, it'll be listed in Bitcoin. The price will be listed in Bitcoin and that it will be the world reserve currency, not the dollar. So I, I that that's what I think of when I hear hyper Bitcoinization. Uh, and I, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. So sure, or maybe after 2030. Yeah. Thomas, what's, are you a hyper-Bitcoinization guy? Uh, I was never crazy about the term. I think it was invented by Daniel Krawitz uh, from <laughs> uh, Nakamoto Institute or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he later became a big B-casher and then a big BSVer. So it's another one of these not great terms invented by not great people. Uh, just like the way that Vitalik Buterin gave us a maximalist. And uh, to go back to the Ethereum topic, I didn't get to talk about it, but uh, Vitalik's been putting out some crazy tweets lately uh, where he's all like, why can't we just hold hands and work together? Why do there have to be all these different coins? I guess they're having some kind of a problem in Ethereum. I guess people wanted to pay for Ethereum smart contracts with something other than Ether, which of course would have destroyed the people who pre-mined the Ether, <coughs> Vitalik and his friends. Um, so they 
put through some kind of a proposal where you can only place smart contracts in Ether. Uh, so they've become Ether maximalists. Uh, we all become maximalists in the end. Uh, and it's funny to hear him saying, you know, oh, we should all work together when really he was the original splitter. He was the original one. Right. Where I have an idea to improve Bitcoin. And they said, we're not sure we should do that. And he said, okay, well, I'm starting my own coin. Uh, da, 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 all the history that happened. Uh, but going back to the dollar, I agree with Tone. I think cash is on its way out. I think cash is more likely to be eliminated than the U.S. dollar, uh, which would give us to more of a digital thing. Uh, sadly, uh, if the dream of hyper-Bitcoinization is paying in stores, uh, we've been lapped, people. I don't know if you're not paying attention, but Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, uh, credit cards that are contactless, uh, they've solved the payment problems. They can pay just as fast. It's on your mobile phone. It's for the new generation. All right. You can always do it. Sorry, this is my Emboli Bitcoin debit card. This is what I use when I go to a store. And it starts a really good conversation about what the hell is this? Yeah, it's just using the old system, though. It's just using the old rails. Like, we don't have to worry about scaling because you're just using the Visa network. So, I mean. All right. Speaking speaking about the old rails and, uh, well, an old rumor, Bitcoin ETF, we, we haven't heard about that lately. But what I did hear about the other day in some mainstream article, that GBTC, the GBTC was up just like Bitcoin is up. Uh, and we we're talking about Barry Silver before, so why don't we talk about GBTC? Tone, you know about this stuff. Uh, is GBTC, is that gonna go away when we, we get an ETF or is there ever gonna be an ETF? And how big is this GBTC thing? I mean, they own a big hunk of Bitcoin and they keep on getting more Bitcoin. What's their end game? How's that gonna end up? Uh, their end, I mean, their, their, their end game is they're charging 2% uh to manage it oh that's uh i mean that, that's good profit there they're charging two percent a year uh to just manage the the gbtc it's not exactly an etf uh, but it's as close to an etf as we have i traded i traded my retirement fund it gives you uh tax advantages to trade it it's also uh, a nice legal way to trade it uh in your traditional exchange it's the only option we have um if a traditional etf comes out uh, what it would do is it would basically remove this thing called the GBTC premium. Unfortunately, uh, GBTC does not scale with demand, uh, with demand for GBTC shares. Uh, GBTC uh, scales with demand on the front end. So here's how it works uh, for, the, for the viewers of your channel. Uh, pri uh, private investors uh, buy uh, private shares of something that turns into GBTC. So people want to invest in Bitcoin. They pay Barry Silbert in quantities, I think, of twenty-five thousand or fifty thousand. Uh, so you pay Barry Silbert's uh, company a hundred thousand. Uh, he'll purchase a hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, and they'll hold it on your behalf. When it's time, uh, you have to hold it for at least a year. Uh, then, after a year, you have the opportunity to sell it and take your money out. But uh, you tell Barry Silbert and his company. Uh, Hey, I want my cash. I want to sell it. So what they do is they turn that into GBTC shares. And then someone like myself who actively trades it uh, in his traditional brokerage account can go buy it and trade it. So the supply of new BTC shares is kind of dependent on um, you know high net worth private investors that don't actively trade the coin. And that creates a bit of a supply shortage of GBTC shares. And that's why those GBTC shares trade at a premium that fluctuates between you know, 10% and 50 to 60% above the price of Bitcoin. So if you time that 
correctly, uh, you can buy the GBTC shares ideally at a good time when the Bitcoin price is low and when the GBTC premium is low. And then uh, when the hype comes and the FOMO comes, the GBTC premium can rise. I've seen that GBTC premium at 200% at, in 2017 at the height of the bubble. Uh, if the real ETF comes, it provides a lot better liquidity to get the same access to Bitcoin on a traditional exchange, which means uh, no one would be buying GBTC shares at a, at a premium above one or two percentage points. Uh, and, uh, and the way Barry Silver makes money is he charges a 2% management fee on that. And GBTC has been around five years. So he's made 10% on the value of Bitcoin just by managing it over the last uh, five years. There you go. That I didn't know about the two percent. That that that's your end game right there, Thomas. Do you have any, any thoughts on this uh, magical mystery GBTC gains that they play over there? Well, uh, we all know why they want an ETF. People have money in their retirement accounts and yeah. their stock market accounts, and they want to invest in Bitcoin directly. Uh, they don't want the hassle of owning their own keys or knowing what their own keys are. And if they could buy a vehicle like GBTC or an ETF. Uh, then they could just hold it in their normal stock market account. They can't get hacked or anything like that. They don't have to worry about that. That's all someone else's problem. So we know why they want these, uh, but we don't know why we don't have one. Uh, everyone wants an ETF. It's been years and years. They're banging the drum. And at this point, I'm ready to give up on it. Uh, all you normal people that want to invest with your retirement funds, like Tone saying, you can take the role on the GBTC. I guess it's close to Bitcoin. They hold a little Bitcoin. Uh, or you could sell out of your retirement account. I guess you get a big penalty for that. I don't know how big it is. I'm afraid of it myself. Um, or just get your real money and use your real money to set up an account somewhere. Hopefully not Coinbase, but they're pretty easy. Um, so and and buy some real Bitcoin. Try to hold your real keys. Get a treasure. I mean, you have to or get a good password and hope that Coinbase doesn't get hacked or whatever. But uh, those are the things that you're going to have to do if you want to buy Bitcoin. If you've been waiting for the ETF and waiting for the ETF and you know anything about the price of Bitcoin, you've been destroyed in the last few years waiting for this ETF. So, no, it's not coming. Uh, by the time the ETF gets here, it'll be too late. Uh, all the normal people will have missed their opportunities. So if you're a normal person, you work a normal job, you want to get a little bit of Bitcoin, you still have a chance, but you're going to have to do all that work. You're going to have to find out what your keys are what a, a hardware wallet is and you know that sucks but those are the trade-offs if you want to make you know money in bitcoin or, or lose money in bitcoin as the investment may go so. don't hold your breath on that etf pound that like but i want thomas before uh we were talking uh, at the beginning of the show i mentioned uh, to tone but i didn't ask you and i want to hear from tone about this too is america still the capital of bitcoin is it is it's still the capital of the, is or is most of the action in, in the united states or the main action i think so I, I think we're going uh, we're going virtual, right? If anything, the action right now in Bitcoin is is right here in this chat, uh, or it's in those VR chats that those guys have been doing. It's in the online uh, Coinbase. Pretty much canceled their conference. They're doing an online conference. Uh, they're down here in the dirt with the rest of us. Uh, even if you watch just the late night talk shows in America, uh, Seth Meyers is doing it from home. Conan O'Brien's doing it from home. They. They have backdrop issues. They have connection problems. Uh, their guests have bad internet. They're down here with the rest of us. So no, I don't, I don't know that it's America anymore. And I don't know that conferences matter or meeting people in person matter. I think it's all online. It's all about your online persona 
And if you can come off good in a video chat or if you can look good in a VR room or on a podcast. Well, whatever, wait, wait, Thomas, I, I, I got a, 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 to, to break it down to another level. Who's buying the Bitcoin, though? It doesn't. OK, is it Americans mostly or do you think it, other people are finally waking up all over this planet? Well, we know the Chinese are making it and the Chinese are selling it. And hopefully the Chinese miners are buying it and holding some of it uh, as the fact that the halving is you know, presumably going to make it go up. Uh, I don't I mean, I don't know for sure where the demand is coming from for Bitcoin. I do think that it is still a uh, first world demand. Yeah. I don't think that Africa is buying Bitcoin. I don't think that uh, deep parts of South America are buying Bitcoin or Cyprus or any of like kind of our hopes for the common man. I mean, there, maybe there's a little bit in Venezuela. They've had to learn about inflation. They've had to learn about uh, their government and so on and so forth. Uh, maybe they have some demand. But yeah, I think it's mainly first world demand, which would be America, UK, EU, uh, people that have money. But again, if you're if you're buying Bitcoin now, you're not that worried about rent. You're not that worried about food. Maybe you should be. Uh, we're in a, a you know quite a crisis situation, so it is very tough. If you're you're truly one of those strong hands or whatever Warren Buffett would say about um, buying when there's blood in the water, uh, because there's plenty of blood uh, in the water right now. So if you're still thinking about investments and Bitcoin, uh, it could be a big win. It could be a big loss. It's it's one of those risks. Tone, uh, your thoughts on uh, where who's buying it? And by the way, Tone, I, I you liked South Africa. You had a good time there. I had a good time there. You've been there before. Yeah, yeah. That's, I never get to talk about it with you. I mean, I told you about it beforehand, but I'm, I'm really happy you got to finally go to that part of Africa down there and everything. But what's what's your take on uh, the, the issue of who's buying it? Is it still American-centric uh, Bitcoin? I still think it's American-centric for now. But when we get out of this crisis, I think Europe is going to start to take control because I think the uh, on, on the back end of this corona, going into the end of the year, um, I think Europe is going to have a lot more structural problems than the U.S. Uh, like when Italy gets out of this, uh, Italy's been hit hard by the coronavirus. Italy uh, had one of the highest aged populations. Uh, so that there will be a huge population shift uh, uh, in Italy. Lots of talk now about Italy leaving the Eurozone and going back to their own currency. And uh, it's not the Italians that are going to be buying up all this Bitcoin it's going to be the, the, the Spanish and the Greeks and whatever money they have left. Uh, because, uh, again, going back to the potential breakup of the European common currency, uh, people are going to be scared. And they're going to want another option uh, to the currency of their own country, thinking that that's going to be mismanaged even worse than what's happening already. Uh, so for the moment, for the time being, look, you got to have money to buy Bitcoin. I'm sorry, it is still... Uh, you, you can do well uh, if you are somewhere in the Philippines and you only have 100 US dollars worth of savings. Uh, sure, you can go ahead and buy Bitcoin. You can maybe triple or quadruple that, but that's not going to change the world. But if you're in the US, if you're in Europe, maybe in Canada, uh, maybe down in Australia, uh, if you do have you know, $20,000, $30,000 worth of savings and you convert that into Bitcoin and you double or triple that, that is going to change a lot of things. Uh, going forward in your life and maybe in the lives of others. So I still see Bitcoin uh, having most influence, uh, not by a large quantity of people with a little money. I still see it as the small number of people with a lot of money making the biggest impact uh, when it comes to Bitcoin. So far, it's the US. Maybe soon it'll be Europe. Okay, good, good commentary here. Let's, I've never, th this is something I want to ask the two of you on because I've never had you on to ask you about this. Stock the flow model. A lot of people worship it. 
Tone, what's your take on it? Uh, it it's, it's good as a long-term projection. Uh, what uh, Plan B has done is he tried to uh, convert the stock-to-flow model directly to try and predict the future price. And it's going to, but, but it's such a high-level macro model that it's going to constantly overshoot by a lot and it's going to undershoot by a lot. And it's been undershooting for quite a bit. I, I think it, he will have to adjust it. I think it's so much, I don't think Bitcoin can scale the way it has already. Uh, there could be an S-curve in the future, maybe in five or six years, uh, if mass adoption comes. But I don't think Bitcoin is going to get to 100,000 this year or early next year. And that's what the model is calling for. I think the model will be readjusted. It's like all of those like parabolic curves that go like this until it doesn't go fast enough. And then they go a little bit slower like this. And then they go slower still. I mean, you just refit the curve. Uh, I like it as a general macroeconomic view that, yes, the price of Bitcoin has to go up and it has to go up a lot. Otherwise, the experiment is a failure. The entire Bitcoin experiment relies on Bitcoin going up in price substantially. Otherwise, it fails. Uh, but how quickly it can go up, I, I don't know if that, uh, that, that model is great uh, for long-term thinking. Uh, but uh, let's uh, let's not get too moonish here. Let's be realistic. Yeah, uh, Thomas, what's your take? Do people go too crazy over a stock-to-flow model? Well, I, I agree with Tone. I thought this is kind of what we always believed in. Uh, when you looked at the Bitcoin structure of the halvenings and you say, okay, every four years there's a halvening. Well, every four years the price better double to keep the miners in the same money that they were getting per coin at average. Electricity costs stay the same. Equipment costs stay the same. Uh, the money you're bringing in better double. So it seemed really obvious. Uh, like Tone said, the plan B guy came along, kind of tapped the price to it. Uh, we all saw that the structure of Bitcoin would be this. If you said, well, every four years, the amount of Bitcoin being produced cuts in half, you would say, wow. So if I have one Bitcoin and you know they're making less of it all the time, my one Bitcoin is going to go up in value. That just seemed like a, a no brainer, like kind of like the whole point of the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, it was great to see everyone get really excited and, and celebrate the Twitter account and have the interviews and all that kind of stuff. And apparently he's a big uh, money manager or something. So uh, I guess we should trust him more. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but, yeah, I hope that it goes up. Uh, I'd like to see it at 100000 by the end of the year because hopefully I still have a little bit and I could sell to pay my bills or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great. But it's again, like Tone's saying, it's not it's not a dogma. It's not a magic thing. Like once. Once it breaks, he'll he'll twist the chart to say that it was always the same and it never broke. And if it doesn't break, then he'll celebrate because he was right. I mean, it's really just one of these chart things. Yeah. All right. Let's one final topic here. We've brought up mass adoption at one a couple points during the show. Uh, we'll get some newbies in here uh, into the space. Maybe the having hype will get some people in. But uh, we also might have Libra pretty soon. And we also have talked about how Ethereum has marketing. In, in 2021, let, let's forget about 2020 for now, but in 2021, how do you see newbies getting into cryptocurrency? Do you see them finding out about it through Libra? Do you see them finding out it, about it through altcoins? Or do you see them finding out about it through Bitcoin? Tone. Uh, I, I still see people finding out about Bitcoin uh, through Bitcoin. At the end of the day, everyone still talks about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the one that's mentioned on CNBC. That's the one that's mentioned on Bloomberg. Um, any credible expert that they put on national television 
will talk about Bitcoin. Otherwise, I, I really question their expert status. Uh, it's going to be through Bitcoin. It's not going to be through Libra. Uh, it's not going to be through this other stuff. Everyone knows the word Bitcoin. When we first started in the space, you know, you get into uh, like when I first started in the space, I know I, I've used Bitcoin before I used Uber. Uh, I think I've been a Bitcoin user for a couple of years before the first time I ever used Uber, which is kind of funny because everyone knows what Uber is. And when I started using Uber, even after I started using Bitcoin, I would mention the word Bitcoin in an Uber or in a taxi and the person would not know what it is. Today, they all know what it is. Uh, the question is, are they ready to get involved? So everyone already knows Bitcoin. 90% uh, of the people you run into know Bitcoin and everyone already knows it. So it's only a matter of when is Bitcoin important to them? The moment the person realizes that Bitcoin is important to their life, they'll get it. It's not going to be because, oh, wow, Libra was my gateway uh, into Bitcoin. No. Okay. Thomas, your thoughts. Libra, do you think Libra is a gateway into Bitcoin for a lot of newbies in 2021? Uh, I don't think they're ever going to see the comparison or even think that it's a blockchain underneath if it even ends up being a blockchain. Uh, I agree with Tone. I think people are going to find out about Bitcoin because the price rises. Uh, they're going to read about it in some newspaper and it's going to be a lot of the same way that everyone else found it where uh, it's a dollar and you're like oh that's a stupid thing i'm not buying it it's a dollar and it goes to 300 dollars, and you're like i'm a stupid thing i'm a stupid thing that didn't buy it at a dollar and for a lot of these people the numbers are much worse uh, they're seeing it now at uh, what is it eight thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars and they're like oh that's too much money uh, but when it's thirty two thousand they're going to be like, oh, that's too much money. But then it hits 64 and they're going to be like, oh, I guess it's just going to go up more and I don't understand it. Maybe I should invest. And I think that's how most of the normal people investing into Bitcoin, maybe if you're a big market guy or whatever, you just see it as a percentage gain on the market. You just jump in because uh, you're just looking at numbers. But uh, no, I don't think Libra is a competitor for Bitcoin. It's gotten worse and worse. Uh, at first, they were going to use a basket of coins. Uh, now they're going to use a basket of stable coins. Uh, they're getting back down to just being a dollar replacement. Uh, I think their competition is PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, Google Pay, uh, which if you're talking about advertising, these people all have advertising. None of them are going to mention Bitcoin in the advertising. No one's going to say it's faster than Bitcoin or it's better than Bitcoin. You're not going to mention Bitcoin. Uh, what you're going to say is when you want to check out at the convenience store, you can check out with Libra. When you get home and you want to send money to your buddy on Facebook, you can send it with Libra. Does it sound like I'm talking about PayPal? Does it sound like I'm talking about Venmo? Like these are all the same service. Uh, they're centralized payment services. Um, but as I learned one time, I got to go to the Money 2020 conference because the uh, uh, Lossky uh, was making a speech about Bitcoin. I wanted to film it. And uh, there are tons and tons of money in these payment companies. As a normal person, you have no idea. But not just American Express and Visa, but all these other companies, First Data, all these things you've never heard of that are gigantic conglomerates and they're just involved in the payment space. So if Libra can take the payment space from Visa, MasterCard, Discovery, um, Discover, PayPal, all these other companies, there's more than enough money there. They don't care about the being digital gold space or being a one-way currency space or using your money on the Silk Road or whatever you want to do. That They don't care. They have the payment space. It's more than enough money there. All right. So we have reached the end of the show. It's been a legendary one, two legendary guests. I want to give these dudes 
uh, time to promote what they're doing, their final thoughts, any story that got left out, big stories from this week I didn't mention. I'm sure there's some. Thomas, we'll start with you. All right. Well, uh, we're doing uh, back-to-back shows today, and they're both about the having. Uh, check us out on the Bitcoin group in just a few hours at 1 o'clock Pacific time on the World Crypto Network. Uh, we're going to hopefully answer all your questions about the Bitcoin having that we didn't answer today. Uh, we hope to break it down to kind of a normal level. Uh, we're going to talk about supply and demand. Uh, we're going to talk about what happens when there's less Bitcoin on the market and these kind of things. Uh, so join us there. Uh, also, we're going to be having a Bitcoin halving party around May 12th on the World Crypto Network. I hope, Tone, uh, that you'll join us. And Adam, of course, I invited you before, but I hope you guys will join us. Even just for five minutes or something would be great. Uh, we had a similar having party in 2016. Uh, what I like best about that party, and I hope to have at this party, uh, is that normal people are invited too. Uh, you're just out there in the audience. You don't have to be a professional cryptocurrency talker or whatever. Uh, you can just come on the show, tell us a little story about Bitcoin, how you found it, or uh, tell us just you know a little shout out for the having. Uh, but we're going to do that in a couple weeks on the World Crypto Network. So I hope everyone will be there. All right. And remember, guys, check out World Crypto Network. I was on Wednesday. I was on the show on Wednesday. We talked about the history of the World Crypto Network. It is like the base layer uh, for Bitcoin on YouTube. It's where a lot of great people started off. So many legendary stories. So I, hopefully I'll be back on there soon to have another uh, history show with Thomas. Maybe Tone will come on too. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of stories from back in the day also. It, it was a fun show. So guys, check, check that out. Tone, what, what are your conclusionary thoughts? Sure. Let me, uh, I might as well um, add uh, a little bit of color to Bitcoin price. Uh, do some screen share, test out screen share. I've never used Jitsi before. It was something I was going to check out as potentially switching from Zoom over to Jitsi. But until they can get my backgrounds up to the green screen, I, I won't be able to make the switch. Uh, Thomas, it'll be a little, uh, I was going to do, I was planning to do my own show. Uh, around the having live stream like the classic old days for six to eight hours straight uh it'll be very unfortunately uh, I, I might be able to join your show with a cell phone while running my show uh <laughs> which would be kind of fun uh if i have a bunch of people on and jimmy can moderate or something or somebody else uh, hoping jimmy can jump on your show as well uh so i plan to do something similar uh but i'll try to jump in on the world crypto network it is where i started and thank you so much for giving me that uh, chance. Uh, on the day. Uh, so uh, my view on the price of Bitcoin, I uh, I think we are pulling back right here. Um, I think this was a big run up as the pre-having pump. Uh, we hit one of my nines, which is a TA signal uh, to tell me, hey, you want to uh, slow down there, Sparky. And this thing is going to pull back a little bit further. As for what I'm doing, uh, we're still planning to do Understanding Bitcoin Conference. In Malta, the first week of October, hopefully everyone will be able to travel by then and wants to travel. We have the financial summit happening in Bali the first week of November. And while I'm not teaching workshops at the moment, they are available for on-demand viewing uh, on tonebase.com slash on-demand. And uh, those of you that want to buy some cool T-shirts like the one I'm wearing uh, or uh, potentially even the sweatshirt, that I mean, we should probably have that sweatshirt on here uh, for sale. It doesn't look like we do. Uh, but yeah, check these out. These are just like the products through tonevase.com. Let me stop the screen share. All right, guys, pound that freaking like button. These unique 
Beast. I thank them for being on the show today. They are legendary. Uh, remember, we do this show uh, every Friday. Who knows what time it's going to be on? You never know. You never know. But you know one thing. I've got the conviction. You get a new show from me every single day, even when YouTube makes me go to my backup channel. Uh, so thanks a lot, guests. Thanks a lot, everybody. Shabbat Shalom. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, this Rut Meister. Follow me on Twitter at TechBalt. And uh, I will see you guys tomorrow night. And uh, having hype, baby, spread the word. See you guys. Bye-bye.